Welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining us here is Jed Brewer. Well, hello. With us all the way from Oak Ridge, Tennessee, is Lee Younger. Yo. I just watched all the Rocky movies, so nice. I just felt like I need to say yo. That's good. I, I was wondering why you were wearing that sweatsuit and <laughs> running up and down the stairs, but you know what? You do you. Adrian. Hey, yo, Mick. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> if you hear the sound of a chicken being chased at any point during this recording, you'll know why that is. <laughs> and also, if you're too young to have seen the Rocky movies, that's a thing that happens. Yeah, and uh, and if you don't know who Burgess Meredith is, I'm sorry. You've got you've got a journey of discovery ahead of you. Is how I would <laughs> phrase right. that. Because I liked Colin Farrell's The Penguin, I did, but it's not the definitive performance. That's right. Yes, we are back. We uh, we took last week off uh, for both the Easter holiday and because I very selfishly took a little vacation. So we are yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. monster. That's right. I did it specifically to spite you, the listener. <laughs> <laughs> you knew what this was. That's right. And if you wish ill upon me, I will share one the uh, one negative from a lovely trip to, to New York City with my wife, which is we got an email that while we were away. The laundry room in our condo building caught fire. Oh, no. <laughs> now, no. You may th- now you may think, well, did some careless person leave, uh, not clean out the lint trap? Or was there the vent situation or something unfortunate? No, it was one of the washers. It was one of the things that's essentially made of water somehow. <laughs> wow. Caught flame. Wow. So. Uh, I was definitely assuming lint trap. Yeah, so were we. That's. Apparently the way that's going. So I have been smoting. If you wish, if you saw a 20 something minute uh, episode in your feed a day late last week and thought, I really hope the almighty reaches out and gets him. He did. (laughs) So Feel fine about that. Well, the other way to look at this though, I mean, to spend to the positive is the laundry room is so hot right now. That's so hot. Very literally, according to the forest park fire department, it is hotter (laughs) than it ought to be. Yes, um, so there's that, and that is, uh, at least for me, because I now have to find a way to wash my clothes for however long this is going to be, uh, that is a type of emergency, and that's going to be a theme on this show, because it's been a little while, so it's time for another all-emergency episode. We will be back next week with uh, questions. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com slash ask, but for now, we start working through the the many many emergencies that christian culture and church nonsense has given us over the past few weeks and i'd like to start gentlemen if you if you permit me with a bit of a meta emergency oh, i love meta which is when we started this show some 11 12 years ago at this point we started doing the emergency uh we, we like it a lot we like we like the segment we know people listen like it it's a little light you know a little bit of a fun thing up top when we started out, we find stories of, oh, man, God's not dead. That's a crazy idea for a movie. Or Joel Osteen's got big teeth. That's kind of funny. And now I look for these every week, and the number that I have to scroll past and go like, right. well, that's just depressing, or that's yeah. just horrible, <laughs> yeah. or that's just fully fusing with right-wing politics. It's like, well, sex scandal, sex scandal, embezzling scandal, transphobic, homophobic, all, just awful, terrible thing. Emergency has got, I don't like this dark reboot of the emergencies universe, I guess is how I'd put that. <laughs> it's gotten gritty, Matt. 
Yeah, a little more Adam West in our emergency universe and a little less Zack Snyder would be very welcome by me. That being said, we will uh, go to the first of our stories. This comes to us from uh, National Public Radio. If you grew up in a certain time and place, you may know it from your parents being angry at it for some reason. Mm. And this uh, ties into our, our own Jed Brewer in a way. What? Because Jed, if you'll set us up here, you've shared a story before about your uh, homeschooling curriculum when you were a lad, <laughs> particularly indeed. the art history aspect ah. of that. <laughs> yeah. Would you care yeah. to share that with us? And then we'll see what's happening here in the year 2023. Yeah. So this would have been in middle school um, when I was... Um, in homeschool. And so we had a, our books were supplied by this very, very conservative outfit. And we had an art history book, uh, which, you know, I'm glad you're trying to keep things broad. And, um, and it was you know, a picture of all kinds of famous artwork. You know, you've got the Mona Lisa and you've got, you know, the Sistine Chapel ceiling. Right. And of course, there's a picture of the statue of of David. You know, it's one of the the great works of of art from human history. But there was one notable fashion choice, which is that uh, someone in kind of an early version of Photoshop had pasted a pair of tidy whities <laughs> over oh, wow. the statue of David, <laughs> like Hanes, fruit of the yeah, essentially, yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah. So we we had a. Um, a very, a very censored uh, statue of David in a way that is completely unnecessary, but also hilarious. Hilarious. My favorite is more and more. I've thought about that story over the years. My favorite part is that there was no attempt to like make it a loincloth or right, 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 like a fig leaf or something that would even be mildly historically accurate. Just went with the fruity <laughs> loom. Yeah, yeah. Bleach white <laughs> briefs. Yeah. So it, whether whether you're going for the time that this was that this piece of work was created in the, in the Renaissance or whether you were going for the time that the artist was depicting, which was, you know, at at, from where we're sitting 3000 years ago in Jerusalem. Um, you know, we are talking about some fruit of the looms, elastic cotton, uh, tidy whitey briefs. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Wow. I think, look, there's two ways to look at this. The first is that this was a very, very silly thing to do that um, is just utterly absurd. But the other is that the Fruit of the Loom Corporation has been around a long time. <laughs> if right. you're looking for the Illuminati that like is woven through history and pulling the strings, it's Fruit of the Loom. Woven. What a it. great word, Jed. Hello. I am here for this conspiracy theory movie. All right. Like the Da Vinci code, but it's about the ancient fruit of the loom order. I would watch that movie. Yeah. The tidy whitey code. (laughs) (laughs) You got your episode title right there. Yeah, that's kind of gotta be it. I'm currently (laughs) on the, uh, on the babble trying to figure out what fruit of the loom in Italian is. (laughs) Fruto di Tiaglio, which is a bit disappointing. And uh, always hard not to do to say any Italian words without doing an offensive 1940s accent. So, <laughs> <laughs> fitting people out there over time distraction. I do apologize for that. 
Uh, so yes, Jed's uh, 1980s, 1990s uh, homeschool in the Southern United States textbook dealt with the not a problem problem of the David showing actual human anatomy with Photoshop tidy whities. Yep. Um, if you've been to, if you've had the the opportunity, and I hope you all do someday, to tour around Italy, particularly the uh, Vatican Museum in Rome, they there's a lot of uh, later added fig leaves over uh, certain areas oh. of the statues, which, as my understanding of it, is not to cover uh, the sculpture of genitalia, but to cover the fact that during the Victorian period, uh, crazy uptight English people went around uh, chiseling off that particular part of anatomy what? from statues so they weren't uh, misleading. <laughs> wow. So you got two famously repressed societies, 19th century Victorian England and 1980s Southern Baptists, um, and how they dealt with this. And now I take you to uh, early 2023 here in America, where according to the Associated Press, the board of the Tallahassee Classical School pressured Principal Hope Karskia to resign last week after an image of the David was shown to a sixth grade art class. Dude. The school has a policy requiring parents to be notified in advance about controversial topics being taught. I'm a wow. bit confused whether the controversial topic is one of the five most, five most famous artworks in European history or the existence of the human penis. <laughs> Maybe both. Maybe both. <laughs> it is once again worth pointing out, as people did at the time, that we've gotten to self-parody to the point where this is the literal plot of a Simpsons episode from 1990. Yeah. Yeah. There's an entire Simpsons episode where Marge gets mad that Itchy and Scratchy is so violent and gets it taken off TV. And then the the other, uh, the Helen Lovejoys and Maud Flanders is the next thing they get wound up about is that the David is touring through Springfield and they want to get it shut down. And Marge says, well, that's insane. The David is a great work of art. And they, uh, they brush her off for not being committed to the bit of censorship. And she learns a valuable lesson about being crazy. And we just, we learn nothing. No. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Good times. Don't be less subtle than season two of The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. So we start there. Um, that's just that's just banana pants in every way. Um, but it does uh I think show uh transition neatly into another story. This is from Axios. And maybe this all can have been avoided if the parents had gotten the text that their children were going to learn that either genitals exist or that there's a sculpture that they have definitely heard of that is considered one of the classes Western canon, the headline from axios.com conservatives plot text warnings on woke products. Woke product. Okay. Huh. A conservative group is offering a new service that will text woke alerts. Give that one a second. Woke alerts straight to the phone of grocery shoppers who want to know which brands are accused of taking political positions that are offensive to the right. Oh, my Lord. And this is we're recording this a week after um, 
people lost their mind about Bud Light because I believe they had a, a trans person cut like a one Instagram ad and people lost their minds. And I did not grow up in the, the Southern Baptist tradition. I grew up in the footprint, but not the tradition. And I wanted to put to you two gentlemen who did a little bit more. Is this a very interesting Southern Baptist dilemma where the way to show that you're not okay with liberalism is to drink beer? Because <laughs> it's all been this weird, like, we got to find the non-woke beer. And everyone's like, well, they, they all do like a pride thing because that's just good corporate PR now. So there's like people making their own, making like their own brands and stuff. But I like the idea of some guy being like, aha, some Southern Baptist dad. Yeah, that's right. We're going to show him. We're going to, Oh, that's, it's a bit of a rock and a hard place for a, for a 50 year old Baptist dude. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I don't have any answers, but I can tell you that some of this is reminiscent to to train we've seen before. So if we go back again in our way back machine to the the late eighties, there was a moment. Oh my where gosh, a, there's so much hair gel. <laughs> there was a moment where um, a a a few uh, chains of convenience stores um, began. I think very briefly they carried Playboy magazine as a thing that you could buy and. Um, the, the folks that I grew up around uh, were not having that. I mean, it was it was a full on um, this. This shall not stand. We are we are boycotting these stores entirely. But now where it became a bit of a of a, a tough choice is then you had to navigate. OK, the stores that remain, do they sell alcohol? Because we're not we're, we're trying not to do that either. And so then it became, are there convenience stores you can shop at or? Have we gotten to a point where our um, embargoes, our conscience-based embargoes, have made it impossible for us to buy beef jerky and a Slurpee? I like the the kind of long tail of this, where because some convenience store chain started carrying Playboy, now someone has to explain why they're buying a cow, because that's the only way they can get milk now. <laughs> Yeah. Like, well, you can just go to the the store. Yeah. No, I can't. I can't. Well, they don't. I know they don't sell it, but just. Yeah, this is. I don't. We just. We just don't eat eggs anymore. I can't. The, find thing, eggs. That's, <laughs> the thing that's adorable. To I haven't me had breakfast about, in eight months. <laughs> the thing that's adorable to me about this whole thing is the way that you know the the people that want to like you know whatever it is own the libs or whatever, I guess is the phrase is like they don't actually care about whether or not they're owning the libs. They just want to be famous for a minute. And the reason that you know this is they buy the thing and then they shoot it with their guns or whatever, or they explode it on the sidewalk or whatever. Like a a couple of years ago when there was, you know, when uh, so-and-so told everybody, you know, boycott Keurig because of whatever, whatever. And so everybody uh, that was following dude's voice took their Keurigs out of their house and filmed themselves smashing them on the roads or their sidewalks outside their house. And then, you know, and then they said, oh, never mind. You can, you can buy Keurig again. And they all bought Keurig again. Here's the deal. They already, Keurig already had your money. Yeah. Now they have it and, twice. And, and now they have it twice. 
And then with the with the Bud Light or with the whatever or with there's a big you one know, then they, Nikes. Yeah, yeah, and they yeah, said, yeah. "Oh, well, now we're going to Coors." So then, and so then, Coors demonstrated that they are in support of trans people and and LBGTQ people and whatever you know. And then, so they're like, "Well, then we're just going to buy a bunch of it and we're going to shoot it with our guns." Yeah, and it's like you bought it. Yeah, yeah, you, you, did. You, you 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 say that you're against the thing, but what you're demonstrating is you actually just want to be famous. Yeah. You don't actually care about opposing this thing. You just want a moment in the sunlight. You're actually giving them your money and then you're spending other money on ammunition and then you're destroying the thing. And I know you drink beer, so you're just going to go buy some other beer or without your phone on, you're going to buy this beer again. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's also worth pointing out that Anheuser-Busch um, and their parent company, because I think they got bought out a few years ago. Like, there's AB only like, InBev! Yeah, there's only like three companies in the world that actually make beer on any kind of scale. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you don't know what boycotting is. But here's a fun, uh, <laughs> here's a fun detail from this Axios article that kind of speaks to what uh, Leah's saying, but in, in a darker way. Conservative musicians such as Kid Rock and Travis Tritt have lashed out at Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch. If you're, so I recently saw, because I'm only 15 years behind on cinema, I recently saw No Country for Old Men. Ah. Finally. There's a line in that where the Javier Bardem character, somebody's begging him not to, you know, do the the very dark Cormac McCarthy-esque thing he's about to do. And they're talking about following the rules. And he says something along the line, I won't get the line exactly right, but something along the lines of, if the rule you follow brought you to this, of what good, what use was the rule? Yeah. 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 Similarly. If your ideology has brought you to the point where you have to throw out your beer that you like to go find another beer and have to pretend that Kid Rock and Travis Tritt are good at music in the year 2023, <laughs> what is this making your life better in any appreciable way? Esperanza Spalding exists. Yeah. You can't say in that universe that Kid Rock is good at music. Yeah. Also, Kid Rock's debut, well, I don't know if it was his debut on, but his breakout album was called Devil Without a Cause. Do any of these people know that? Because if he put out an album, if, if Sam Smith put out an album today called Devil Without a Cause, these same people would be losing their complete minds. <laughs> well, look, we've, you, you've, you've made some compelling arguments, Matthew. <laughs> Thank you. Is this my way? I... <laughs> I would like to give a counter argument. It's something I, I want you to think about. I want to begin with an open-ended question. And that question is this, what business is that of yours, friendo? And as you ponder that, I want you to consider the following. Bot, widaba, debang, debang, diggy, diggy, diggy. Said the boogie. I'm not done yet. Said up jump the boogie. Bot with a ba. Why don't you think about that, Matthew? Why don't you think long and hard about that? Thank you for Friend. tuning in to Kid Rock Poetry Jam. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a man on a record called Devil Without a Cause. The the first single is definitely that song, which there's no way, again, that if you put that out today, the same people who were who are paying $14 for not a Bud Light at his 
awful, awful, awful honky tonk in Nashville would not accuse that of being some kind of satanic summoning spell yes. that he is using to corrupt the youth. That's right. That's right. He's tempting them into illiteracy. Well, that might be true. <laughs> but tempting the youth into illiteracy, to go back to the David story, yeah, uh, maybe might into that. well be a winning platform for some of these people. But uh, as ever, we, I look for ways that we can cash in on this. Is there something we can do more crazy than woke alerts and do some kind of like sin alert? Mm. Wow. Wow. That's a really, really good question. Like maybe just like, or just like, cause what they really mean is an anger alert. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know how when your phone gets the weather alert and it makes the, the ungodly and unstoppable noise for a certain amount of time. Yeah. That, but just like, there's a new thing to be outraged about. Click now. Yeah, yeah, that's very, very good. Although, you know, what's interesting about that is it's almost a trigger warning. Hey! Which is the thing that same group of people dearly hates. It's funny how that comes full circle. No Bud Light in the safe space. (laughs) What it also is, is, and I don't know anyone who does this, but it was having your news alerts on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hate-breaking news. Ah, very, very well done. Thank you, thank you. Yes, uh, so that's insane. Um, we don't like the David. I want to be texted when the international conglomerate that makes the beer that I enjoy acknowledges that certain types of people are in fact people, so I have to be angry about that. Maybe the most demoralizing <laughs> thing about that is I think uh, Dylan Mulvaney is the person, the uh, transgender activist who did the thing with Bud Light. If you're like over 40 as two thirds of this podcast are, and one is hurtling towards mm. just having any kind of feeling about something that someone whose primary platform is TikTok does. Yeah. Like outrage or to like, at some point you gotta like, there's a lot of freedom as a middle-aged or older person saying, I don't know what that is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta be honest with you though, man. I got a lot of, of opinions about TikTok. Dude. I know you didn't ask, but I'm going to share them. Here's 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 opinion number one. I don't know what TikTok is. Here's opinion number not really two. Opinion. I don't really know how to look at the videos on TikTok. Also, not an opinion. Here's opinion number three. Wait, <laughs> what is TikTok again? These are these are uh, kind of a spiraling situation of con- of questions more than opinions. All right, I feel like you're trying to silence me, and I feel like well, you're yes. trying to censor me. And this aggression will not stand, Matthew. <laughs> Well, one opinion you don't want to have about TikTok that uh, we keep keep seeing examples of, I saw another one recently, is if you're a kind of if you're the person who stands up in front of a group of people in a religious context, you'd be a pastor, a youth pastor, um, you need to learn what an algorithm is before you talk <laughs> yeah. about the the horrible uh scantily clad things that are in your TikTok or Instagram feed. Cause yeah. That ain't there for no reason, man. All right. True confessions on any of the algorithmically driven social media platforms that I use. I see a lot of posts about inadvisable junk food a lot. (laughs) And you know what? There's a reason for that because they know me and I know them and I am actively reinforcing that thought loop. So, you know, I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume between 9 a.m. and 11 (laughs) a.m. 
Yeah, that's um, it's important to know what you don't know. And if you don't know how a recommendation algorithm works, yeah. do not go in front of that youth group and excoriate them for all being on TikTok. Because <laughs> every time you go on TikTok, all you see is women in bikinis because they know how an algorithm works. Yeah. And about once a month, we will see a story pass. I'll see a story pass one of my social media feeds because my social media feeds now know that I uh, engage with a lot of uh, stories about Christians embarrassing themselves. And it will show like, some guy doing that and the whole room going, oh, that's not that's not good. That's a confession is what you've just done there. Well, I do have one final uh, to round out the season. One final Easter story. Oh, hey. indeed I do. Let me as I've, I'm going to send a link to my co-host here because um, we've talked many times over the years about the attempts to do something new with the Easter pageantry, sure. the live, whatever the, you know, we've talked about. We've also talked many times, and because this is a podcast that I have a, a heavy hand in cre- creating the content for, about the overlap of professional wrestling and the church service. What's there? What could be more there? And this story comes to us via video from a church in San Antonio, Texas, which I am saving the name of, but it is the pastor in the middle of what appears to be the Easter service, if not the Easter sermon, uh, jumping down from the stage to the floor (laughs) and delivering what I must say is a pretty sloppy version of the rocks. WWE finisher, the rock bottom to a person dressed in a giant uh, Easter bunny suit (laughs) on top of a very, very noticeable crash pad. At which point this pastor turns away in his white metal studded jacket and walks off stage. <laughs> my, my the first thought I had when I saw this, Matt, was uh, whatever the actor's name is who plays the dad in uh, uh, the, the, the you know the Christmas movie. The I don't know what the Christmas movie is called that everybody the sh- you'll shoot your eye out movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not just a Christmas story. A Christmas right. story. Thank yep. you. Uh, he looks like never a pink seen it. Nightmare. Don't care. Internet, come at me. The, it's the he looks like a pink nightmare uh yeah, yeah. scene because his his uh since you haven't seen it matt his grandmother or whatever makes him a, a pink bunny costume for christmas i'm aware of that image yes okay seen thank that. you yeah, yeah like so the the pastor uh has the kind of the high fade as you might expect very gelled up very uh gelled up beard uh true religion-esque kind of light wash jeans a black t-shirt and it appears to be a white leather jacket with metal studs across it. And maddeningly, there is no other context given for this. Yeah. What they put yeah. up is about a, a 15 second video clip where he drops his mic, jumps down, gives again, you know, a pretty sloppy rock bottom to uh, the Easter Bunny here and then just kind of walks off. Yeah. And then we get the and, instant slow-mo replay. Yes. Instant slow-mo replay. Um, I, I promised a, a, an Easter egg here, <laughs> so to speak, because I wanted to see if I could find out more information if they had like a, if I could find the full service and I couldn't, but 
I did, via the pastor's name, find the name of this church in San Antonio, Texas. It is called Extreme Harvest Church. Is it just an X dash Tream? There's no dash, but it is not. There's no E in the front of it. It is Extreme X T R E M E. I just had a thought, and I don't. I, I oh man. What if this was what if this church was started by the 90s band Extreme that sang the song more than words? Oh. So that's why they have to do kind of physical combat theater during their sermons because but it's more than words. Yeah, well, well done. Well also, done. Well done. Ev- everybody thought that the song was a little too soft. Now they're looking for something a little more hardcore. And right before, you know, this guy was halfway through the falsetto. What say and then all of a sudden the easter bunny comes out and ruins the moment yeah yeah and he's got to hop down there and drop the rock bottom on this dude (laughs) yeah yeah like i gotta be honest man um so i'm I'm sitting here and it's just on a loop in my in my browser and (laughs) like (laughs) this is you know this is is a a this is a powerful experience, man. Just having this play out again and again and again in front of me. Like I, I may never be the same, which I think is the goal of every sermon. I don't know if it's in a good way that I'll never right. be the same, but um, it's, it's impacted me. It worked in some way. Yeah. You know, someone who did a lot of preaching over a, a decade or so, um, one of the, I think one of the more reasonable uh, goals you can have for that is, I just want them to take home one thing that happened because they're not going to absorb everything. You know, people are busy. People drift in and out. It's a lot to, you know, but I want to throw enough out there and enough that's sticky that like everybody goes home with something, an indelible thought or image. And it sounds like in this (laughs) sense, at least for one Jed Brewer, this has been a successful uh, sermon situation. Yeah. Extreme Harvest Church. And I got it again. I know because I am a wrestling nerd. I'm, I have it on a loop in front of me too. I kind of can't look away. And I am just, I have a lot of criticisms of the amount of commitment that the pastor shows here. Because mm. <laughs> there's a thing, if you've watched a lot of wrestling in your life, as I have, is you watch the people you like get older, where their knees go pretty early. And okay. things that they used to kind of like, they would uh, fall to the mat with the person and all that. They don't do that anymore. They say standing yeah. up, the person jumps down. Whose guy, move uh, was the rock bottom originally? Pardon me? H- who coined the rock bottom move, Matt? Oh, Lee, you've stepped into a a 25-year-old uh, controversy. Oh. Because people who saw the World Wrestling Federation would say that it was uh, the titular rock. You may know him as Dwayne Johnson. If box office is anything to go by, you do not know him as Black Adam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I watched 40 minutes of that movie, and I thought, there's other things to do in my life. So I went yeah. into that because yikes. Um, but so that was that. And others who were maybe a little more sophisticated, had a little more advanced taste, where WCW kids like myself would say that this is one Booker T with the book end. But either way, if you don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of, of wrestling moves, and I do to the point that I, not until Lee said that, did I realize that some people might not. Um this basically is a thing where the he hooks his arm underneath the Easter Buddy's arm and across their uh, chest, kind of their opposite shoulder, picks them up and slams them down. And yeah, I, I heard the Easter Bunny part when I said it out loud too. 
Uh, so, but normally when The Rock has got his big WrestleMania match against Stone Cold Steve Austin, Triple H, someone like he would he would go down to the mat on his stomach as the opponent goes down to the mat on their back, kind of really make the thing intense. Pastor uh, Pastor's not doing that. He's he's kind of letting the other guy. He's letting the Easter Bunny do all the work. And here's my question: Which of the associate pastors got the Easter Bunny assignment? Oh, the youth pastor. The yeah. youth pastor. Is there any way it's not the youth pastor? Yep, yep. The, the thing that it's got me cooking on is I'm assuming that the sermon context is we're talking about Easter's about Jesus, and we can't let people take that away and make about something else. And we're going to prove that point by by body slamming the Easter Bunny. Yeah. But I think I think you can kind of you know make this a sermon series. Who is going to put Santa Claus in a figure four leg lock? This sure. is what I need to know, right? Yeah, I I need more physical grappling with secularism, right? I need every single possible pagan entity that could be brought into the church context, and then I need Matt to tell us which wrestling finishing move would be appropriate for that yes. pagan sure. entity. Yes, super kicking yes. Zoroaster, etc. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm here for this, man. Like they, they bring in someone dressed vaguely as Karl Marx, and then they do a pile driver on him. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, seize the means of that. They say <laughs> after they. <laughs> I like the idea that it gets kind of more and more esoteric. Is <laughs> this kind of something that's supposed to represent gluttony? <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's Sigmund Freud. And there's the senior pastor with a metal chair. <laughs> Just like half the audience is like, I don't know what that is that you're doing to that. <laughs> and I don't know what that represents. Like the Easter bunny was weird, but we were there. Santa. Okay. That was bad when he put Santa in the sharpshooter because the children cried and that was, but you're pedigreeing just a guy who has a black suit. It's just a black bodysuit that has lack of commitment written on it. And we don't know what that means. <laughs> He's got him in a full Nelson though. So that's, that's nice and old school. We like that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, and it, look, it, on a semi-serious note, which we don't, tr- we try not to do in the, uh, the uh, merge, all merged episodes. If your thought as you're putting together your sermon is I'm going to do this thing and it's going to look real badass. Don't do that. Yeah, no, yeah. no. Like they're kind of, it looks like they're not a big church, but they're trying to go on for the semi mega church lighting and staging thing. They just don't have the crowd to fill it out. We're all familiar with that global church. Like you got, you got a video team or you got a, you know, a guy with a phone. If you absolutely need to hit uh, some kind of belly to back suplex on the Easter bunny, you can just, just do that video after church, man. Yeah, that's cool. Also, also don't there for years and years at the height of its popularity, the WWF ran a thing before it that literally said, don't try this at home. Yeah. No people no. get hurt. That's not, that's not very pastorly. I don't like we were talking before we came on air about, about the, uh, the Mark Driscoll and the Mars Hill. It's don't do that. That's weird. No, no. Don't say these things, but Matt, you're forgetting the ever popular verse. Thou shalt body slam thine enemies. <laughs> that's what austin 316 actually says and suplex those who oppose you that's right if it sells that many t-shirts it can't be wrong 
Ah, well, to such a point, um, I I have a another story about when uh when uh macho church stuff goes entirely wrong in a way we all knew it was going to at some point. Uh, the headline from JulieRoys.com. Disgraced megachurch pastor James McDonald charged with assault after allegedly attacking woman. Hey. Disgraced megachurch pastor. And I love that that is so true that you can just print that without any fear of slander or libel coming at you. Also, yeah, you, no, have to, you have to be specific. You have to then produce a name because there have been quite a few. Yes. Good point. But I, the disgraced megachurch pastor James McDonald, I like the idea that he can get mad about it, but I just that someone, a journalist, is so clear that that is the definition of this person that they know that's going to hold up in court. Has been arrested and charged with felony assault and battery in California after authorities say he attacked a 59 year old woman, resulting in serious injuries. So, if you're not familiar, we've talked about him before on the show, but James McDonald was the pastor of a Chicago area megachurch and then network called Harvest Bible Chapel. And he fancied himself a real manly man. He rode a motorcycle and he did hunting and he did the, the sermons about how Jesus isn't a sissy and you got to whatever and man camp. And I'm sure paid to, it wasn't his church, but we've talked before about, you know, the, the men's conference with people repelling in and pretending to be army men. And that's <laughs> the kind of vibe. And then he also, um, like, embezzled is a strong word that has legal definitions, but um, I think I'm safe in saying uh, financial shenanigans that led to him not being the pastor anymore and being kind of uh, run out to Arizona, where apparently all disgraced pastors go to try to start over. One of these days, we're going to figure out what's going on over there. Uh, as is put in the article here, the alleged attack comes four years after McDonald was fired. That's right. Not asked to step down, not resigned, but we all know what happened. Just was fired from Chicago Area Megachurch, Harvest Bible Chapel, for engaging in, con- in conduct contrary and harmful to the best interests of the church. One of which was uh, being caught on tape talking about planting child pornography on a journalist who was reporting on the church, which Dude. is real Jesus-y, pretty cool. Um, so, you know, exactly the kind of uh, jackass you'd expect to to be this way. And then uh, just attacked a six-year-old woman in broad daylight in California. Um, there's my Angelou quote that we've talked about a lot on this show. And I know this isn't the funniest segment, but I felt this was worth pointing out. When people tell you who they are, believe them. Yep. And here's between, we talked about Mark Driscoll, we talked about this dude. I mean, it kind of goes to the wrestling thing, but it goes all this. Just, like, we, we don't tell you what to expect from a church on this. I don't, you go to the church you like. I think we can all safely be at the point where if anybody really, really, really wants to talk about masculinity from the pulpit, you're safe to just get up and leave. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> or, or, and um, challenge them to single combat. Sure. Mm-hmm. If you're, this is, and this is the funniest part to me. And this is one of the meanest things I've, uh, this is me reveling in the wrong. So I confess that between to my co-host and your listener, but for somebody like James McDonald, who is so intent on trying to be famous, he 
had the radio thing, you know, he's, he's big wheel and wouldn't let people, you couldn't just come up and meet the pastor. The incident involving McDonald and Bass occurred March 22nd was reported on Facebook at the time by the Coronado Police Department. However, the initial statement by police simply referred to the alleged assailant as a 62-year-old man. And there's something deeply interesting and delightful to me about how offended someone who worked that hard to, like, make their name a thing when they are embarrassed, like, just 62-year-old man. What was the name? I don't remember. (laughs) Doesn't matter. But I do believe, again, if your if your pastor gets up there, gets up and talks talking about it, it's time to uh, man manazons and get it back, and we're going to be man. You sh- they should have to open any ch- have to accept any challenges for a bare knuckle boxing match right then, right there. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. It's time to throw down, pastor. Bonus points if you have an Easter Bunny costume ready to go. Because the only thing that would have made that last one better is if the Easter Bunny decided to start shooting on the pastor and just put him in a rear naked choke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, we look for patterns in the world, and this is one, because all these guys turn out to be weirdos. So, again, we can just shortcut that. Yep, yep, 100%. All right, one more story of weird, weird church stuff. This is a different kind of weird. I think we're going to get some laughs out of this. This is, comes also from JulieRoys.com. Judah Smith's megachurch faces lawsuit for forcing staff to tithe 10% of wages. Uh-huh. We talked about disgraced megachurch, Pastor. Here's another phrase you don't want to hear in an article about your church. Uh, class action lawsuit. No, that's bad. Judah Smith and his West Coast megachurch church home, which is very odd to see written and try to pronounce. It's not, it's, I guess it's trying to be church home, but it doesn't have the second H. Yeah. So it just like, just looks like Churchum. Churchum. Yep. So Churchum is facing a class action lawsuit for requiring staff to tithe 10% of their wages, a policy that violates two Washington state laws, the suit claims. So you may say, well, Surely these people aren't absolutely stupid enough to leave like some entire kind of paper trail that they were literally requiring people. And then you get to the part of the article that is uh, screen captures of text sent from senior staff say, telling people you are in trouble if you don't start tithing. Okay. And uh, that's on top of being super weird. Uh, you, you can't do that no. from like spiritual thing. You can't do that. But from a legal standpoint, you really, really, really can't make your employees give some of their paycheck back to you. I mean, they have to be thinking at some point, like, wait, all the money that I get comes from people's charitable giving to this place. So. It, what if my giving went to another place that wasn't going right back into my paycheck? Well, it's not going into your paycheck. It's going into the, the main guy's paycheck. Well, some quick Googling shows that the, the head pastor there is worth about $61 million. Sure. Whoa. What, why, why are you doing this, man? Like that's, 
You are an ultra high net worth individual. That's more money than your children will ever spend. Why, why, why are you doing this? Also, because I knew I'd heard that name before, a apparently a regular uh, feature on uh, Instagram account of note and former uh, guest on this show, Preachers and Sneakers. Dude. The man likes a little bit of Gucci. Yeah. So there's some screen captures here, basically, you know, people saying, well, we had, we had a meeting and we we need you to start tithing and people kind of gently being like, uh, I don't make a lot of money, which, if you know, someone who's on ch- staff in a megachurch, they don't make a lot of money. Um, with it being a practice, this is some supervisor who's getting doled out to do this, with it being a practice of our faith on the team is expected that if you're on the team that you tithe, and if not, it does sound like that would be leading to would lead to being removed from staff. No one wants that. You don't, and I especially don't want that. You're so valuable to the team. We've made some some quotes on this show, and I will <laughs> give a modified quote from HBO show The Wire, which is, are you taking notes on a criminal action? <laughs> ah. <laughs> the, through prison ministry and urban ministry, the, your, your three intrepid podcast hosts here, have dealt with a fair amount of criminals over the years. Um, yeah. Some who are good at crime and some who are bad at crime. Yeah. And sending a text message about wanting someone, basically sending a text message to someone saying, I'm extorting you for this amount of money and this is the consequence if you don't do it, is not good crime. When you make your extortion payment in the memo line, please include the note for extortion. <laughs> yes. For illegal payment. <laughs> Well, yeah, during the meeting, which is apparently recorded, they apparently had a staff video conference. Lead Pastor Judah Smith reminded employees of Church Home's policy requiring employees to tithe 10%, the suit said. Someone turned to, uh, someone told the Royce Report that his firm has audio of the video conference, but has not yet decided to release it. During the meeting, Smith said, quote, I'll be very honest, people have already been transitioned and moved on and fired because they were not tithing. The suit claims Smith also reportedly asserted that tithing was prepare yourself. 10% was quote, a black and white issue and quote, more important than taking communion. Wow. Wow. That's literal blasphemy. Yes. Impressive. Hey, I just want to take a moment and note, like I'm kind of at a point where I don't think I can be offended anymore by Christian nonsense. Cause I've just been exposed to so much. And I then there's thinking like, that. Yeah, like, no, you surprised me. You did it. You actually offended me. That's, that takes some doing. Well, and I love, the part of that I love, uh, other than it being, as Jed points out, textbook, actual blasphemy, (laughs) because Jesus, he didn't at the the Last Supper say, whenever you gather, take this cup in remembrance of me. And also remember to kick in a few bucks because the building (laughs) is not going to prove itself. Um. You're the boss. You don't need to do the guilt part because you can just do the, well, for a while you can do the, you have to do this because or I'll fire you part, but they just can't help themselves. They also have to throw in some weird overcooked religious based uh, guilt slash blasphemy guilt for me, if you will. Ah, more important than communion. That's, that's entirely bonkers. Yeah. 
I saw, there was a clip making the rounds, which you may have seen recently of, uh, it's an older thing of a, a Latter-day Saints training thing um, where someone is saying that literally the most important thing for the poor is that they give. And if they have the choice between giving and uh, buying food, you as the Mormon missionary or bishop or whatever should encourage them to give. That's what's important. And uh, again, to paraphrase a movie that I will not give a quote, at least it's an ethos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Say what you will. Matt. Yeah. Uh, say what you will about the church of Latter-day Saints, but at least it's an ethos. <laughs> this is just, this is just pulling some stuff out of here. They have a they have a breakdown in this article, which I think is fantastic, of uh, Barna, which is a large a religious kind of survey data gathering organization. It's kind of kind of the main one. Found that only one in three pastors believes the traditional ten percent tithe should be standard. About twenty percent said congregants should give a sacrificial amount, and another twenty said that the stat said the standard should be as much as they are willing. And I love the, we pulled a thousand foxes on how much hen house security there should be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like to the point of being bad at crime, you, you can think it, you don't have to say it. If you get a, if you're a pastor, who gets a survey and think, how much do people give you? Sh- even if it's not an option, you, and if you don't have to mean it, you should just like, you know, the, do you like me check? Yes or no. And they add the maybe. You should yep. add one that says uh, whatever the spirit leads them to and just there write that go. in. Incredible. As much as they are willing. <laughs> and apparently it's going great. If you have to make your employees do that. Which apparently is part of their employment contract, which is another part of blasphemy because Jesus clearly says, let your yes be yes. And your no be no. Wow. And do not make extra oaths about things. Yep. To to Jed's point, but I didn't know I could still be uh, off by this stuff. I was recently sharing with someone that my first, I think a lot of these church people might be totally full of it. Uh, moment came less than six months after becoming a Christian when we were doing, we had prom at the high school I went to. And they there was a local church. Uh, that wanted that was actually not in the city we were in, but it was a big one in the town over. So they just thought, sure, why not? And they wanted to have people sign the prom pledge, uh-huh. which is I'm basically not about drinking and having sex, I assume. And I, I was a friend of mine, nice lady, uh, said, "We're on prom pledge." And I said, uh, well, "I've been reading the Bible because you know you people tell me I should do that." And I just recently got to the part where it says, "Don't make oaths," because that's an abomination. So huh. wouldn't signing this be that? Oh. And the answer I got was a blank stare that I have become used to in the ensuing years. <laughs> yeah. When you mentioned to church people, parts of what scripture actually says. <laughs> parts of the Bible I like and parts I don't like. Or as Matt says, that book you guys say you like so much. Yeah. Yes. We opened with current... American Christian culture, not ignoring a lesson from a 30 year old Simpsons episode. And we close with the wisdom of the gentleman putting same sex animals on the ark from a 20 year old episode of Futurama. 
And we just, folks, I don't think we've seen the kind of progress we need to see in these areas to get past <laughs> Matt Groening making jokes. <laughs> the way you actually live your own lives. This is deeply concerning. Good times. Good times indeed. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this all emergency edition of the Say That podcast. We'll be back next week with our regular question taking format. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com slash ask. If you want to keep that entirely anonymous? Okay, with a song this week. This is from our friends Brian and Clark, collectively known as Southern Harmonic. Nice. Great record they made some years ago with some help from Lee and Jed. This is their take on the classic This Is My Father's World. Take out that one. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. This is my father's world. And to my listening ears, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my father's world. This is my father's world.